Have you ever been with someone and felt a shift in the mood? Have you ever noticed a change in the dynamic between you and someone else without even knowing why? Mm -hmm. If you have, that means that you are co-regulating with that individual. What is co-regulation? Why is it so important in relationships? That is the subject for today's episode. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So last week, we introduced the concept of polyvagal theory and the importance of safety in relationships. Remember that. Yep. Yeah. And safety, as we said, is the greatest love language of all. And in last week's episode, we said that our way of being affects everyone around us and causes them to feel safe or not. Or not. Right. So today we're going to expand on this idea as we move into an incredible topic couples co-regulation, which simply means a way for two people to come together and soothe one another. Co-regulation can be medicine for an activated, stressed out nervous system. And as a result, it can create tremendous safety in relationships. That's right. So let's begin with just briefly talking about why today's topic is so important, because I love this topic. I've been really excited to do this episode today. Um, you know, and as we've discussed in the past, humans are simply wired to connect and engage with each other. We aren't meant to live in isolation. Social interaction and connection is essential to human survival. This started way back in the womb. As babies, we were co-regulated by our parents or caretakers. It was through perhaps their gaze, their touch, their tone of voice. Whatever it was, our caretakers were able to soothe us. We borrowed from their nervous system in order to calm our own. This ability to co-regulate with others is just part of how we are made. It's how we're designed to be. Yeah. And I love that part about the babies, right? I mean, think about, think about just even if you can remember the touch of your mom, you know, mm -hmm. just the way my mom used to touch the top of my head. And I still mm -hmm. remember that even to this day about how that would just sort of calm me. And I think maybe we even, I think I do that with our kids as well. Uh, yeah, I was thinking back to our own children and, and, and the way that we would sue them and the, the impact it would have on them. Yeah. So as much as we talk about personal responsibility on this show, it's, it's a bit of a paradox, right? Because while it's true that we are responsible for our own emotional state and our own behaviors, it's also true that we're always affecting one another in importantly real and unconscious ways. From a systems, global systems perspective in a family environment, everyone in the household affects one another. Our emotions and mood affect everyone within this system. Exactly. So when you yawn, I yawn. Don't yawn. <laughs> if you laugh, <laughs> I feel happy. Yep. When you cry, I feel care or concern. If I'm calm, you're soothed. You aren't generating my feelings, right? You aren't responsible for my feelings. No. I'm the one who's responsible for tending to my emotions. But like it or not, we are affecting one another. Yeah, we talk about that. Like just even 
early on in our marriage, when I would come home with a stressful day from work, like how I needed to sort of leave that, you know, I used to, I used to just sort of leave those emotions in the garage and not bring it in the house because I could feel it affect the whole mood. And we're going to talk later in today's podcast about what we do now to kind of regulate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thinking back to even earlier though, in your childhood, can you remember as a child, because we both had some chaos growing up, can you remember a time when you were affected by other family members like stepdad, mom? Yeah. I mean, you know, with, with four different stepdads, it was um, some good and some bad. And I remember one was was a pretty, I don't know, maybe volatile guy, but boy, if he was in a bad mood and you come in the house, you sort of knew it. And I would just, me and my sister just sort of keep our heads down and go to our rooms. Um, and you know, that kept us safe, but you can, you could feel it. It was palpable that you could cut the tension with a knife. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, sort of an example of yeah. when I was a kid. Anyway. And, and I know with you, you had similar stories, right? Right. Well, and is, isn't it just interesting that even a small, small child has that spidey sense that they can pick up on that, right? Yeah, neuroceptive. Yep. So you've likely heard the quote from Maya Angelou, who said, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. I Mm, like that. How you made them feel. On the most basic level, co-regulation is how we make each other feel. So think of it this way. You have a nervous system. I have a nervous system, but when our systems meet, it's almost as if they create a new nervous system between us. All right. So co-regulation then is the way that the nervous system of one individual influences the nervous system of another. It really is that simple. Although it's not only an interpersonal process, but also a neurological and biological process. Mm -hmm. Co-regulation can happen in really any kind of relationship, but it's really strong in these family systems and romantic relationships. Exactly. So, you know, why is this important? Well, understanding co-regulation is extremely important because when we understand this interplay between our nervous systems, we can see that we're either regulating one another or we're dysregulating one another. Ooh, dysregulating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we understand this piece, then we can work together to alter these differentiating dynamics in our relationship so that we can have a happier, healthy, and more fulfilling relationship and union. Yeah. And this is why, you know, when we start talking about, for example, conflict management, which we've done a number of episodes on conflict, we always teach one of the first things we teach couples is the importance of adult timeouts, right? We call them taking a break. Yeah. Got to take a break. We have to take a break when we notice ourselves getting flooded. And the reason being is that if we're hot headed, we're flooded, we know, right, nothing's really going to get worked out anyway. So there's no point trying to push through and solve a problem, negotiate because we're flooded. So we've talked about this in previous episodes, how important it is to take effective breaks so couples can separate for 30 minutes or an hour to go practice individual self-soothing before they come back together and try to work things out, right? We talk about self-soothing, but... Yeah, you can't come in hot, right? So you do need to take a break. And as we talked about in past episodes, when you're flooded, boy, you can't hear anything. You can't take in new information. Super important to sort of take those breaks, work on that self-soothing. So we've talked about self-soothing, but the difference here is... Right. So co-regulation is different. It's when two people come together Mm -hmm. and intentionally self-soothe rather than taking a timeout to independently soothe. So that's what the difference is between those two. Exactly. So 
How is this whole co-regulation even possible anyway? Well, so remember we talked about last week, we called, talked about neuroception or I call it the spidey sense of like what's going on in the room, right? And it's our ability to sense one another's nervous systems, right? And it's sort of a survival mechanism that's built into our autonomic nervous system. So our internal systems are sending and receiving messages with other person's nervous systems and getting feedback on whether it's a safe environment or whether it's not. Right. That's, that's neuroception. Yeah. And this started way back in the womb. Like we talked about earlier with our mother, you know, long before we had the ability to self-soothe. So, right. We're in a disagreement. We can go and self-soothe as a baby. We didn't have that ability. So long before we could do that, we were soothed by our mother. So it happens with the unborn baby's heart. The mother's voice is able to, to soothe the baby or when the mother's movement, it, that it, when she moves, it might soothe or when she rocks, it could soothe the baby. And this happens also afterwards when the infant is a little bit older, the parent might rock them in the in the cradle or in the chair, the parent might smile at them to soothe them. So, you know, it even happens when we're communicating with the baby, maybe they're babbling. And so we babble along with them. Um, we smile at them. We look and gaze into their eyes. We hold them. And all of these things are, are co-regulation, and, right? And they can see that. I mean, you can watch the visible tension leave in your children when, when, when you're working on those things, when you're smiling and talking to them and cooing along, mm -hmm. right? Um, and we've, you know, if you've had kids, you've experienced that. Yep. So co-regulation is also happening when maybe your child falls down and skins their knee and they look up to their parents and they're trying to decide how they should react. Like, is this a devastating injury or, or not? And mm -hmm. if the parent comforts them without panicking, like, Hey, you're okay. It's fine. The children usually move on pretty quickly, skinned knee or not. Right. And this is how children learn. This is how children learn how to self-regulate, how to cope, how to self-soothe, yep. right? This is how they learn that strategy for themselves. We as parents are modeling it for them. They're or, looking, not. or not. Or not. They're looking to us to know how to respond and react to the world around them. And they do that until they're capable of doing it for themselves. So essentially they're borrowing from our nervous system until theirs is more developed. R.L. Nost said, quote, when little people are overwhelmed with big emotions, it is our job to share our calm, not join in their chaos. Ooh, yeah. And that is a perfect illustration of co-regulation. This is also why children who grow up having volatile or inconsistent parents or parents who just have their own crazy going on, those children tend to grow up struggling to be able to self-regulate later in life. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that in my own life. Oh, Absolutely. I know that a lot of that had to do with some of our earlier problems that we had in our relationship because, you know, both of us had a lot of chaos. We didn't learn a lot of self-regulation through yeah, our parents. Absolutely. And so yep. when we got into volatile situations, we didn't really have the skills to self-regulate and things would blow up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it was, um, you know, my mom used to say, oh, well, you know, you just have a temper that you need to learn how to control. Wouldn't well, it be nice? How do you learn that when you're yeah. a child? <laughs> yeah. How do you learn that? And and maybe had I learned some co-regulation skills a little sooner, maybe it wouldn't have cost me as much. Well, and I don't think she modeled it. You yeah. know, she did I mean, the best she could. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I they understand all do. that, yeah. right? And yet it wasn't really modeled for you how to how to handle those big emotions that you had. Yeah. 
And, and as children, right, they oftentimes these ones that haven't learned how to co-regulate, um, they didn't have the type of responsiveness they needed and they didn't learn self-regulation sort of in my case. And this can have a big impact on their adult lives and their future relationships. And again, this is another reason why understanding how to co-regulate, what co-regulation is, it's so important because it doesn't just impact you and your present relationship. Think about this, it impacts your children and their future relations, they're learning how to regulate from you. Yeah. So moving on a little bit, one of the questions that we've heard asked quite a bit is related to co-regulation is, isn't co-regulation just some form of codependency? Aren't we relying too much on our partner to be able to, you know, handle difficult things in life? Yeah. So Stephen Porges is the person who identified and named polyvagal theory. And I actually heard him ask this question once and he answered it in a great way by explaining that self-regulation is based on a platform of co-regulation. So what he said was, if a person has the ability to co-regulate with another, their bodies become more resilient and then they're able to self-regulate for longer periods of time before coming back to co-regulate again. So I love that concept, right? And at birth, yes, of course, this is codependency. That's because at birth, we don't have the ability to self-regulate, but... But later in life, effective co-regulation continues to create a resource for self-regulation. And that gives us the power to be more resilient overall. So as I understand it, co-regulation and self-regulation really go hand in hand. Co-regulation helps us to be more resilient. And paradoxically, we also need to self-regulate so that we don't end up dysregulating the people around us. The truth is that sometimes it's possible and often necessary to do both of these things simultaneously. Yeah. All right. So that kind of sums up why and what co-regulation is. Now let's put this into more practical applications. So what does this all mean? What can I possibly do with this information? We have some tips. We have a bunch of tips coming up. So first of all, what it means is that, well, first of all, we have the ability to really optimize each other or not. It means we have a choice. Your nervous system and your partner's nervous system are in constant silent communication. So we can either dysregulate or regulate each other. We have a choice in that matter. We can either invite calm or we can invite a fight. Oh, we've all seen that. Mm -hmm. We can send signals of safety or we can send signals of danger. Even though these things are all happening unconsciously, Once you know it's happening, you can make changes that really shift and heal your relationship. Just being aware that co-regulation exists and that it's impacting those we love, we're more motivated to try to do better. Absolutely. So how can we integrate co-regulation? How can we, how can we co-regulate? How do we co-regulate? I don't know. That's a tricky question, right? Well, actually it is a trick question. There is no how, because it actually happens whether you want it to happen or not. I'm glad I got that right. (laughs) So there's only ways to do it more effectively or less effectively. And with a little education and lots and lots of practice, we just get better at co-regulating effectively. It's sort of that, that theory, right? That when you start the first time you do something, you, you pretty much suck at it. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're always co-regulating either. We're not doing a very good job of it, or we're trying to do a better job. So here's some ideas on how maybe we can learn to do it better because we're always doing it regardless. Exactly. So step one, notice the ways in which you and your partner are co-regulating, whether you're doing a good job or not. So is that positive or is that negative? 
Mm -hmm. So just be aware. Yeah. Number two, notice how other people in your life are affecting your emotional regulation and how you might be affecting them. This can be your coworkers, your friends, children, neighbors. Um, the closer the relationship, the stronger the influence. Okay. So one was notice how we're affecting each other and notice how other people are affecting you. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, so you get spun up when somebody comes into a room, like what's going on there. It's difficult to make any sort of change without that self-awareness. Yeah. So that, that's going to take quite a bit of, of mindfulness to just start paying attention to those things. Yeah. yeah. Number three is to practice, practice, practice self-soothing. Okay. Because one person soothing themselves will, again, when we talk about systems, it's going to have an impact on the entire system, whether that system is just you and your spouse, or whether that system is you and your coworkers, whether that system is your spouse, plus all of your children, your entire family, it's going to affect everyone. So my favorite self-soothing practice personally that I use on a very regular basis, like sometimes daily is heart math. And what that is, is just simply heart focused breathing where I put my hand over my heart and I just spend time breathing slower and deeper than usual in for five seconds out for five seconds and just really focus on my heart and imagining the air flowing into my chest and breathing is such a great way to calm me down and to calm me down really quickly. We did a whole episode on heart focused breathing back in episode 27. Yeah. So that's, that's one way you can practice self-soothing. Um, another way, some people love EFT tapping and that works really great for people. Um, there's a, a ton of YouTube videos on that. If you just want to go Google that and learn how to do tapping, you could go for a walk in nature. You could do yoga. You could take a warm bath. You can exercise whatever it is that's calming for you. Learn how to do those things that, that bring your nervous system back into a, a state of rest and, and relaxation. Yeah. You do such a good job with that heart, heart math, that mm -hmm. breathing. I, I'm not as good at it as you are, but no, I have we, other things. But you have you, other things. You yeah, love exercise. Yeah. I love to exercise. So for me, exercise is the way. Okay. So number four, um, look at your environment and figure out what's dysregulating you and create a positive environment for yourself. If you're isolated and lonely, um, this can be extremely dysregulating. Um, you might try to find ways to create a positive community for yourself. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. I think, you know, a lot of people are really lonely Yeah, and yeah. that in itself, like you said, is, is really dysregulating. So who can I surround myself with? How can I create this environment that is really positive for me? What friends do I need to add and what type of people that, that I can co-regulate with? Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Number five, learn to speak a common language with your spouse. It's really useful if it's possible at all for you and your partner to learn about co-regulation so that you can start to talk about it. So you can explicitly talk about what is happening in yourself and what's happening between the two of you. This is the hard part right here, but well, it's the good part. It's this how is, you communicate yeah. what's happening within me and what's happening between us. And then you can start to name your feelings better and also express your needs better. So I can say to you, Robert, you know, do you, do you just need to snuggle? Do you just need a hug? Do you want me to help you co-regulate right now? Or maybe you need to, but maybe I'm feeling off. And so maybe I need to say something like, you know what, I just need to go self-regulate right now because 
I'm having a hard time. So can you give me a little time to go maybe take a bath and come back? And I promise we'll do this later. Um, Or maybe, you know, I say something like, I'm feeling really anxious right now. Would you just hold me for a few minutes? So as long as you're, it doesn't really matter how you say it. The point is, if you have a common language and you're understanding what's happening between the two of you and within your own body, then you can communicate these things um, and have clarity about it. So yes, it takes a lot of work to learn how to recognize and to be able to communicate these things, but it's, it's worth it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that language where you can communicate about your feelings, I think is probably one of the hardest things for, for me to have learned how to do was to talk about my feelings. Yeah. Still. Yeah. 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 Well, but you are really good though. What I will say is that, that I've noticed is even when you don't necessarily want to have a conversation about the feelings, you will come and say, something like, you know, can I just hold you? And that's usually your, your code word for, I need to regulate. Maybe you don't say let's co-regulate right now, but you'll say, can I just hold you right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I've said that, I remember saying that last weekend or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if your partner maybe isn't on board, like with all of this co-regulating stuff, right. Then the best place to start is, is focus on changing yourself. Um, it's a never a really good idea to try and change others. Um, the overall goal here is to change the relationship dynamics, and you can do that by focusing on yourself. Remember that when you change your silent communication, you'll change the communication you're sending to your partner and those people in your family and ecosystem. All right, just a few more practical, maybe applications. I think what we'll do is just share with you some of the things we do personally. Yeah. And yeah. maybe these will work for you. Maybe something else will work for you and maybe you'll want to share with us what does work for you. So one of the things we do on a very regular basis is stress reducing conversations. This is something we both do when we um, get home from work almost every single day. So we talked about this back in episode 21. You might want to go back and listen to the whole thing. But basically, when Robert gets home from work, that's our time to be each other's ally. It's not when we talk about problems in the relationship. It's when we just come to each other and we talk about our day. We talk about what went right, what went wrong, where we've had stress. We don't try to solve anything. We just sit and listen to the events of each other's day, both good and bad. And that's been a really powerful way for us to let go of all the stresses from the day so that we don't take those things into the rest of our evening. Like you said earlier, you know, we used to, you used to do a thing where you used to just leave your things at the door. And, and that was like, you were really alone in that. And there was value in that at the time, because that was all we knew. And you weren't bringing those emotions into the house, which was great. And I appreciated it. But now this is so much more powerful. Yeah. And I love that because it allows me, and I've talked about this several times about how men, we need to take our armor off. And so as, as I start to just you know, have these stress relieving conversations, then it, then it allows me to put my armor down and then come into the house. And, you know, when you come into the house, whoever that is, you bring that state with you. And Mm -hmm. if you want calm and regulation, you know, co-regulated household, then you have to figure out a way to have a stress relieving conversation. You got to figure out a way to self-regulate or self-soothe before you come into the house. And that, and that for us, those stress relieving conversations, probably my favorite part of, and it could be just five, 10 minutes. Yeah. That's probably my favorite part of the day. It's definitely one of my favorite parts of the day. Yeah. What else do we do? Oh, well, lots of physical touch Mm -hmm. uh, and attention. So you you know how we love rituals, right? So we have rituals for how we greet each other. Um, 
And usually in the evening that involves a long hug and a kiss. And this has been a very powerful way for us to co-regulate with each other, like me to Charlotte and Charlotte to me as well. Yeah. At least I feel like it co-regulates you. Yeah. I think it's, it's all the different types of touch. And, you know, I, we've talked about this on the show before my love language or my love strategy is, is touch. Uh, I'm very kinesthetic. And it's interesting because as I look back, one of the theories about love languages, I don't know if this is really for sure scientific, but one of the theories is that the love, our love language is what the thing that we didn't get enough growing up. And that's the thing that we need the most. And so for me, when it comes to self-soothing, touch is really the secret. Like if you'll hold my hand, if you'll rub my arm, if you'll snuggle with me on the couch, that's like an instant calm for my nervous system. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily I know that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I figured it out. What, what else, else do we do? do? Oh, <laughs> what else? Well, I like the breathing together. Um, I remember seeing this. So we just touch forehead to forehead. And I remember seeing this and, and I think it was, um, I, I'm, I think it was a Maori greeting, New Zealand, but, and they're, um, that's the sort of their greeting and somebody tell me if I'm wrong on this one, but, um, it's where they said that they can connect their spirits or their souls together. And so, um, you know, my breath sharing her breath, her breath sharing my breath. Um, and, and that is, that's a great way for us to, sort of co-regulate. We're also regulating our breathing. We're slowing it down. Um, it's not a place where you can be really anxious, mm -hmm. you know, when you're in that position. Um, and I love that. Um, it has physical contact, but it also has some meaning for me, probably a lot more meaning for me than it does for Sharla oh, in that know. instance. But um, at least when I talk about, you know, sort of sharing that, that bond. But so the way we do it is we just put our foreheads together. We face each other. We put our foreheads together and um, yeah, close our eyes and we just match and mirror each other's yeah. breathing and slow the breathing down. Yeah. Your so favorite one. My, my, I don't know. They're all my favorites. Yeah. I don't know how I would choose, but um, I also love cuddling, of course. Yeah. And this is, this is almost a nightly ritual. Actually, it is a nightly ritual for us. I can't even remember the last time we didn't go to bed without cuddling. So, you know, this is maybe we watch a movie before bed and we snuggle on the couch or, um, you know, just laying in bed together or cuddling before we go to sleep. And that gives us not only that oxytocin burst, which is the cuddle hormone, the connecting um, attachment hormone, yeah. but you know, again, that helps us to co-regulate. And then I mentioned earlier already hand holding. Um, and then just, I think what I said earlier, which was, you know, when something's going wrong, we just say, Hey, can you, can you just hold me right now? Yeah. Yeah. For me as well as for you. Yeah. 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 There's this video I did, um, not that long ago. It's on our Instagram page. You can go and look at it. But one of the other things that I do on a regular basis is we have this rocking chair in our room next to our bed and it kind of faces our television in our room. Robert always sits in the rocking chair. And one of the things I'll do when I need to co-regulate is I'll just go over and sit on his lap in the rocking chair and he kind of rocks me. So I don't know if that's silly or, or cute, but. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's the rocking. I didn't know if it was the rocking. Or just it's holding. both. It's just yeah. holding and breathing together. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's another thing we do. The chair's got that. It's got great light. It's right by the, right by the back door. So it's good for that. Well, those are some of our ways and we'd love for you to come over to social media this week and share the ways that you and your partner co-regulate as well. Um, I want to leave you with this thought. One of the greatest gifts you can give each other is a calm nervous system. So I wanted to in, insert something here. Um, as I've been thinking about it, if our podcast resonates with you, 
if you really feel that it's that it has benefit, we would just absolutely love for you to share this with your friends and families or just with anyone that you feel would would find benefit from that. Um, that is how we get the word out. And also, if you haven't yet, please leave us a five star review and leave us some kind comments. We'd love to you know, feature some of your thoughts on the show as well. But our goal really is to help marriages. And if there's anybody who's thinking about getting marriage, married, wants to get married or is in a marriage and you think this might be beneficial to them, please, please just share this with them. As always, be kind to each other. Put each other first. It's the small things done often that build strong relationships. Until, Until next, next time. time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.